it's a different world today than when I was a kid. Like, when I was a kid, my mom would make sure the doors were locked at the house, but only because us kids would be outside, and she wouldn't want us to get in. <laughs> Anyone remember those days where it's like, if the street lights weren't on, there ain't no coming home. It's like, Mom, I fell. You know, there's blood. It's like, well, is the bone sticking out? <laughs> no, then you're good. So you're good. Just you wash it off with the hose. <laughs> now today, you got like kids like, like in bubble wrap, you know. Yeah. You got kids with knee pads and helmets, and they're just walking to the bus stop. <laughs> just taking the school bus. <laughs> uh, when I was a kid, and you would see a leash, it would be attached to a dog. Jimmy, you're getting too far away from mommy. <laughs> seven foot rule, seven foot, seven foot. It's a dangerous world out there. It's like, yo, Jimmy's now in high school. <laughs> you should not be wearing this. Now, now, I'm not criticizing anyone or anything because I, they, there's different ways to parent. I think it's important that we protect. But it's also important that we prepare. You cannot over-prepare for something, but you can over-protect someone that they are not prepared. And I wonder if we're over-protecting and we're so focused on keeping them safe and not becoming all that God has called them to become, on us becoming all that God has called us to become. In Exodus chapter 15, verse 3, we read, The Lord is a warrior. The Lord is his name. Did you know that, especially in the Old Testament, God is often pictured as a king leading his people into battle? And yet we live in a culture today where we want to set up safe spaces. Don't want to be triggered. Trigger warning. Do you know James Bond movies apparently now in certain areas have trigger warnings? Because we might hear something that offends us, that is different than we believe. And if we create all these safe spaces and we don't ever want to face opposition and we don't ever want to face tension and we don't, it's like safe, safe. And it's like, but are we really preparing? David wrote in Psalm 144, praise be to my Lord, my rock, who trains my hands for war, my fingers for battle. Training. Anyone ever have training wheels on a bike? I was jealous of you because I didn't have training wheels. How my dad taught me is he grabbed the seat of my bike and then we just went down the driveway, <laughs> headed towards the street. Ready? <laughs> Keep pedaling. <laughs> There's a car coming, Dad. <laughs> Pre preparing. But eventually, you have training wheels in order to ride a bike without the, the training wheels. David was in training. God was preparing him. He killed a lion. He killed a bear. So when he faced Goliath, he just shows up as a food delivery boy 
Oh, he'd already been prepared because he'd been in training. One of my friends, not too long ago, retired. As a, he's an officer as a Navy SEAL, 20 years as a SEAL. And getting to see the, the training facility down in Coronado, getting to actually see it taking place, getting to see the medical facility, getting to be there during Navy SEAL graduations, getting to see awards given out. I was amazed in talking with him. He said that there's that balance because the, you want to protect the guys going through what they're going through, the training. A few years ago, a Navy SEAL actually died during the training. And there was all kinds of, they weren't doing this. They, they, they didn't realize there, there was a heart issue that, that had gone undetected. And he says, there's a balance because if, if we don't take people to the intensity of battle, they're not going to be ready. So, so not only are they going to be in harm's way, but the other SEALs are going to be in harm's way. To be physically ready, but also to be mentally ready. There, there is a difference between preparing and protecting. We live in a world where we often tell people, be careful. Be careful. Be careful. When I travel, I'll be talking with Lindsay on the phone just before we get ready to take off, be on a plane, and she'll be like, safe travels. I don't know how, what to do with that. <laughs> safe travels, like, do you want me to read this manual on how to, like, okay, this is, mask goes on here, do you want me to look at the exits? I'm, I'm not on an Alaska Airlines flight, so I'm good, right? Like, you guys see how crazy that was? Safe travels. We live in a cancel culture. So cancel culture has led, led to a careful culture. Just want to be careful. Be careful. Have you ever heard anyone say, I'm a lover, not a fighter? I grew up and I was a fighter. And then I met Lindsay. And I... <laughs> Now, I'm not suggesting that you should love to fight, but I would suggest to you today that you should fight for the people that you love. And I wonder if some of us as followers of Jesus, we've, we've lost our fight, that fighting spirit, that warrior spirit on the inside, because we've been disappointed in life. Be, because we've experienced disappointment and, and so-called failure and so we, we've stopped fighting. But there are some things that are worth fighting for. You, when you follow Jesus, you might think it's all just wonderful. And it's like, yeah, it's, it's wonderful. But, but it's a battlefield. It's not a playground. That's like life. You see kids out on the playground. Oh, that's like they're on the swing being pushed, having fun going down the slide, on the, on the monkey bars. That's not what following Jesus is like. Following Jesus is a battlefield. And I would suggest that there are some things that are worth fighting for. Our faith is worth fighting for. Our faith is under attack. Our families are worth fighting for. 
family is under attack. Oh, parents, you're responsible other than if we say you're not. And then, no, it's, it's funny talking to some people who are like, no, they don't, don't ever try that with my kids. Yeah, until it happens to you, until the government gets involved, until CPS gets involved in a situation it should not be getting involved in. What about our freedom? Freedom to pray, not even just out loud, just pray in your head. In a certain place. You can't pray here, you can't. I think our future is worth fighting for. And so today, someone is going to get their fight back. This year, someone is going to get their fight back because the world is crazy. There's a military term for uh, describing the global environment. It's called VUCA. Did you hear what I said? Someone's like, I say that every day. (laughs) VUCA. I had them put it up on the screens so in case you can't understand how I pronounce it. <laughs> Can anyone relate to a world, to, to, to a workplace, to a home environment that is volatile? There was peace one day and then there was war the next. Volatile. Oh, it was strong in that relationship until one day the, the relationship was completely Shattered. It, it's, it's volatile, but it's also uncertain. We want certainty in our world. Certainty. Okay, are interest rates going to go up or going to go down? We just want certainty. We want, we want certainty. It, it, am I going to have this job or am I not going to have this job? Certainty. Uh, but the world is uncertain. The world is also complex. You start dealing with, with different countries that that have different cultures and, and have different mindsets. It's not as simple as we think it is. It's, it's complex, but it's also ambiguous. So what are we to do? Any green berets in the room? There's a, one of the mottos of the green beret. It's improvise, adapt, overcome. And what if we've been trying to stick to a plan that's not working as individuals? What if we've been trying to stick to a plan that's not working as a family? What if even as a church we've been sticking to a plan that's not working? We must improvise, adapt, and overcome. But, but if there's a battle, if there's a war, the first thing we need to know is who is the enemy? Who are we fighting? We've got to gather intelligence. Any military that's good is going to have a great intelligence branch. Hopefully, the United States, hopefully we have a good intelligence with our military. People talk about how great the Israeli intelligence is. We we need to know when we're fighting, who are we fighting? Where are they? Who is the enemy? Where is the enemy? And what is the enemy capable of if we're ever going to defeat the enemy? Now, Now, Scripture talks about three enemies that we have as followers of Jesus. The the first one is the world. The second is the flesh. And the third is the devil or Satan. If you have your Bibles, anyone have your Bible? I brought my big Bible today, so I hope you're ready. Go to Ephesians chapter six, or you can just look on the screen. Here's what it says in Ephesians chapter six, verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. 
Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Do you, do you know the devil is a schemer? He's got schemes for our struggle. It's not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. As followers of Jesus, we need to stand our ground. And after we've done everything, to stand. You see, the, the enemy is not often what we think or who we think. If we have three enemies and the first one is the world, and you might be a little confused, like, hold on. I don't know a lot of Bible, but John 3, 16, for God so loved the he so loved the world. So, so how could the world be our enemy? It's not talking about the world as in people. It's not talking about you and me. When the Bible talks about the world as our enemy, it's talking about the systems and the structures that oppose God and cater to the flesh. There are systems and there are structures that are right now opposing God, the ways of God. That, that are catering to the flesh. Oh, it feels good, do it. Oh, it seems natural, just do it. That's not what the Bible says. <laughs> what about the flesh? If it's catering to the flesh, what is the flesh? The flesh is our old selves. The flesh is us before Jesus, before finding new life. And it is a struggle when you're stepping from the old life into the new life. And then there's Satan or there's the devil. So the, the devil means accuser. Satan means adversary. Who is the enemy? When I was in the fifth grade at Barranca Elementary, do you say Branca or Bronca? You say tomato or tomato. <laughs> I was in the fifth grade. And during recess, we started playing soccer. And growing up, I like played football, baseball, basketball. I never played soccer, but I was, you know, athletic and extremely competitive. And on the other team was this guy named Mike Dudley. Now, Mike Dudley in the fifth grade had a beard. <laughs> you like, how could he have a beard in fifth grade? Well, there were a few grades he liked so much, he repeated them. <laughs> And Mike Dudley was really good at soccer. So, so, so here we are, and I, like, he's, he and his team are dominating me and my team. And so I'm like, I'm trying to kick, the, I can't even kick the soccer ball. Now, I realized I keep missing the soccer ball. What about his shins? So I just start kicking his shins. I'm just like, he has the ball. He doesn't even have the ball. Take him out. He's got a beard, and he's the best on their team. Eventually, he gets tired of it. He tackles me and puts me in a headlock. I'm in the fifth grade in a headlock by another fifth grader with a beard. Our teacher, Mr. Maryhew, I remember this, runs over, pulls him off me, starts like totally just 
yelling at us, and, and I, I could hardly breathe. I was, like, catching my breath. I, like, felt like I was being choked out in some UFC event. You know, my, my face must have been bright red. I'm catching my breath. I don't know anything Mr. Mary Hughes teaching. I'm just trying to catch my breath, catch my breath, and I finally catch my breath. I look at Mike Dudley, and I just punch him in the face. Yeah. We went to the principal's office. He had an ice pack. <laughs> I'm still trying to catch my breath. Mike Dudley and I ended up becoming best friends all the way through high school. <laughs> Sometimes it's not the people we think. They're not really our enemies. Your spouse is really not your enemy. What if, what if your boss is really not your enemy? We, we, need, we need to discover that that this is a spiritual battle. So, so if we know who we're fighting, what do we fight with? Let's go to uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 10. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, beginning in, in verse 3. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of this world. On the contrary, they have divine power. Do you know you have access to divine power? On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. The way we fight, it's not with guns. You might have a concealed carry permit. Cool. It's not the kind of weapons we use. We do not use tanks. We do not use bombers. We're not Oppenheimer, and we're not developing nuclear capabilities. We use spiritual weapons. And it is amazing, as we read here, that, that Paul's words are so powerful, in Ephesians, Paul is actually writing this letter, which now we call the book of Ephesians. He's writing it from prison. So he's in a jail cell, chained to guards, figuring out how do I communicate to these followers of Jesus in the Ephesian church? How do years later are we going to get what he has to say? And I just wonder if he's in this prison cell, he's, he's attached to a Roman guard, looking at this Roman guard, helping us understand how do we do battle. Well, this, this guy has a, he's got, he's got a Roman helmet. And so Paul instructs us to put on the helmet of salvation. Growing up, every morning, my mom would have us put on the armor of God. So Ian will tell you, wherever, that, that growing up, having him put on the armor of God, I still put on the armor of God every single day. Why? Because the world is crazy. Because we're in a battle. Put on the helmet of salvation. Do you know the enemy is after your mind? That there is a battlefield of the mind? <laughs> Some of us, it's a mindset. Some of us even have a victim mindset. What's going to go wrong in my life today? Who's going to mistreat me today? Probably even get overcharged at Starbucks because that's just everything that can go wrong will go wrong in my life. A victim mentality like, why is this happening to me versus 
what can God do through me? Toxic thoughts. Some of us, like, if, like perverted thoughts. We need the helmet of salvation to begin to have the thoughts that come from God's word, to become oh, a new way of thinking, the helmet of salvation, the belt of truth. Teach the kids, put it on, they go click, click the, the belt of truth. The, the belt helps hold other pieces of the armor in place. That's, that's what truth does. We live in a world of lies. The enemy is an expert at lying. Lying, try, trying to get us to believe things that aren't true. It's like, wait, well, what is, what is true? It's like almost anywhere you go, there's some lies. I'm like, like what is truth? I don't know what to believe. I, CNN says this. Fox News says that. The View says this. Tucker Carlson says that. Like, I don't, I don't know. There's truth in God's word. Truth. Some of us need to let go of the lies that we even believe about ourselves. We believe lies. The, the belt of, of truth. What about the breastplate of righteousness? In scripture, there is righteousness that is positional, which is when you get saved. But then there is righteousness that is practical in how we live our lives, becoming more Christ-like. The breastplate of righteousness. What about the shoes of peace? <laughs> if you talk to some extremely wealthy people, or maybe you read some of their memoirs or, or see them interviewed, there are people who have crazy amounts of money who would trade it all just to have peace in their lives. Talk with some celebrities who have so much fame, and like we all know their names, but they'd be like, but I have no peace. And the things that we do to try to get peace, so we turn to a substance or we turn to a person and we realize that's not, that's not true peace. What about if we put the shoes of peace on? Which means you can go into a toxic workplace. It's chaos out there, but peace where you stand. In your home, it could be filled with fighting, <laughs> arguing. But you're like, I walked in. Peace is here. Here's the thing. As followers of Jesus, we're called to carry the gospel of peace into a world that is at war, into a world that is in chaos, that wherever we go, that's where, that's where peace goes. And then we take up the, the shield of faith. Now, this is not saving faith. This is living faith. The Bible talks about the enemy's fiery darts. You ever feel like you got a tax coming at you? Tax? And it's interesting that it's not just darts, it's fiery darts. Because the enemy wants you to burn with jealousy. The enemy wants you to burn with hate. The enemy wants you to burn with envy. You know where it consumes you? You're not just hit by something but it begins to consume your life. Uh, in our American culture, we tend to value individual freedom. And I'm grateful for individual freedom, but, but we tend to not appreciate group responsibility. And as followers of Jesus, we need to embrace group responsibility. 
Some people will say, do whatever you want, whenever you want, however you want, as long as you don't impinge on the liberty of others. And that's great if it's a nation. But, but what about a community? Do we have anyone who, who would prioritize the group over the individual? If you're a parent, a father or a mother, and you're healthy in how you parent, you're going to make decisions that are best for the family but are inconvenient for you. <laughs> Anyone know, like, every day? Like, yeah, I'd really just like to go eat by myself, but I'm going to prepare all of this, clean all this up. Yeah, I, I have this hobby. I'd like to spend the money on this for me, but okay, you're in travel volleyball. We'll spend it on the, like... Here, they, what about as the family? We do it with our families. What about the family of God having a community where we know that we have each other's interest and best, and we're going to do even things that are sacrificial on behalf of the faith family? You know that, that, that selfless acts bind people together? The shield of faith. The, the shield of faith. The, the way that shields were designed at that time, it, that, that Paul is most likely referencing, they, they were designed in such a way that one person holding a shield could stand next to another person holding a shield, and they, can, they fit together. And then standing next to another person, and so they fit together. Because I don't know about you, but sometimes people are like, I don't need anyone. I don't need anything. It's just me and Jesus. And you got like, I got attacks coming from everywhere. How do, you, how do you get with one shield? But when you have a bunch of shields and you have a bunch of people standing with you, you create a wall. You create a barrier. That's why church is so important. Church should not be optional. That's why we encourage, like, you need to not just be here and be here consistently, but be part of a group, be part of community so that we can actually help protect one another. The shield is for you, but not just, not just you. And then there's the sword of the spirit. Now, maybe a little bit too childish for you, but I can't say sword of the spirit without going, shoo. <laughs> I just did it for too long with the kids. The sword of the spirit, which is the only offensive weapon. Everything else is defensive. This is offensive. Yet, a physical sword is designed to hurt and kill. The word of God is to heal and give life. <laughs> the more you use a physical sword, the duller it gets. The more you use the word of God, the sharper it gets in your life. Paul here is talking, most likely scholars would agree, on the Machaira sword, which is more of a dagger. It's not the big medieval sword that we think about, which is just this big thing you're trying to swing around. It's this, because the soldiers would be quick with these things, and while other people were trying to grab this big sword, they would already be dead. Because they knew how to... Do you know the word of God? Not just do you know the God of the word, do you know the word of God? Because sometimes when we're under attack, we're like, okay, by the word of God, you start trying to quote things that aren't even Bible. You know, it's like you can't be like, 
you're like, I'm being attacked, I'm being attacked, and you're like, it's a beautiful day in the neighborhood. It's like, that's Mr. Rogers, that's not scripture. Or you like certain things, like I don't even know. Or you're like, okay, I'm gonna go into the Bible. I gotta, I'm just being attacked, let me just go find, I don't know this, I don't, I don't know, let me just, oh, oh, 1 Samuel, this must be a good book. Okay, 1 Samuel chapter 10. All right, uh, where should we go? Verse 14. Now Saul's uncle asked him and his servant, where have you been? He answered, looking for the donkeys. <laughs> what do you do with that, people? Other than if you're a married woman who thinks you're married and you found your donkey, like, <laughs> you're like, I don't know. Like, like we need to know the word of God. Amen. So when we start becoming attacked and we feel devalued at work and we feel devalued at home you can quote actual scripture verses knowing that you are fearfully and wonderfully made you might think like life doesn't have a purpose i'm just bumping along but y'all you can read that oh, that you were born on purpose for a purpose that before you were even formed in your mother's womb you can actually oh like Start pulling out actual scripture verses. What if this is the year? You're like, why should we do this? It's what Jesus did. Amen. The enemy in the wilderness trying to tempt him and was using scripture but was not using it correctly. Just like a lot of people today. I can never believe in a God where it says this in the Bible. It's like you pick and choose your things. You bring them out of context. You leave out words. You like No, that's why we need to know specific. Jesus was specific three times. He said, it is written. Man shall not live. Jesus, Jesus. That's our offense, the word of God. Because we have enemies. We have enemies on the outside which is the world, the systems, the structures that are in opposition to God, that are catering to the lust of our flesh. They, they, there's Satan, there's a the devil, but there's also inside enemies, which is our flesh. Anyone find yourself struggling with envy, greed, jealousy, lust? What if our goal this year is to be people of integrity, maturity, Honor, courage, loyalty, people who are selfless. Seeing soldiers go through training, see that it requires great discipline. To become an effective follower of Jesus, it requires great self discipline. Some of us going into this year, we're like, I got a New Year's resolution. I'm going to lose 10 pounds, you know? And you're like, and I'm doing great in the first week. <laughs> Just wait till week three, right? Like, you have, you have these New Year's resolutions. What if you don't need a New Year's resolution? What if you need a New Year's routine? So I'm going I'm to develop a new routine this year. What if, you, what if it's like, I'm going to pray every single day this year? Oh! <gasps> You're like, I don't know if I can do that. You talk every day. <laughs> Might as well talk to God. <laughs> right? What about spending, rather than spending all your time complaining about your problems, pray to God. What if you had a new routine where you're actually going to worship, 
not just here on Sundays, but you're going to worship in your car. Not just listen, but you're going to sing. You can close your eyes in here. Don't close your eyes in your car, please, like when you're driving. I'm just going to start worshiping. This is just my new routine. What if you start fasting throughout this year at certain points? Now, I'm not talking about... We've totally... We've totally misappropriated fasting. Like people are like, don't they're like, oh, I'm just, I'm gonna fast. I'm gonna fast kale. <laughs> you know, people today are like, I'm, I'm fasting work. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> like people, we just want to, like fasting is biblical. Fasting is fasting food. You check with your physician, check with your doctor, and all that. But what if we? What if we made up in our minds, this is the year we're going to really be generous. We're just not going to give a little bit to God, but we're going all in and we're going to bring in the tithe and we're going to go above and beyond. What if this is the year that you start serving? You actually start living open-handed and, and living on behalf of other people. What if this is the year that you actually spend some time in solitude? That's, that's what Jesus did. Jesus oftentimes got away. Do we have to be connected to our devices? Some of us can't even watch TV much. We have this device on. We're checking this. We got all this. We're so, like, Jesus showed us to get get disconnected from all that and realize, oh, whoa, God actually does speak to me. What about actually getting plugged into community this year? Oh, life is so much better together. What if this is the giving of the year you realize, I don't have to worry about what they think about me because frankly, they weren't always thinking about me anyway. <laughs> like, but now they get... The year that we actually start sharing our testimony. We overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. Oh, and I'm excited because as this year, as we go into the new, we're making some bold commitments, and we're working on developing some tools. Even in a few weeks, a, a meeting on an app that we're working on to help people become all that God's developed them to become. Because you're like, how do, I, how do I put these practices? How do I put these rhythms? So how do I put these exercises into play in my life? It's not as, as hard as you think, but it requires self-discipline. There's a war out there, people. There's a spiritual attack taking place. And when God goes to war, he often chooses the most unlikely warriors, hands them the most unlikely weapons, but through them accomplishes the most unpredictable results. Look at David, a food delivery boy who took a sling and stones and killed a giant. Read the Old Testament. You'll see someone named Shamgar. You can have a baby this year? Name your baby Shamgar. <laughs> Shamgar took an ox goad and killed 600 of the enemy. What about Samson? Samson took a jawbone and killed 1,000 of the enemies. Prophetically, I'm speaking into someone's life that it's time to get that warrior spirit on the inside of you to be a person of valor to have valor is courage boldness and determination in the face of danger to not live our whole lives trying to find safe spaces and safe and be not triggered by this but to actually realize we could be someone of valor that we could become stronger than we ever imagined to develop a warrior spirit and realize some things are worth fighting for your faith is worth fighting for 
Your family is worth fighting for. Our freedom is worth fighting for. And the future is worth fighting for. It's been moving being at different Navy SEAL events when awards are given out. And it's moving to me and I can't even imagine for, for all the others there or either SEALs or their family because they begin to give out these awards. And every time there's a statement, something like disregarding their own safety, they helped rescue so-and-so. Disregarding their own safety. Or they would say putting themselves in harm's way time and time again. They help get their team out. Are you willing to put yourself in harm's way on behalf of your faith, on behalf of your family, on behalf of our freedom, on behalf of our, our future? Never mind, I'm not going to be searching all the time for safe spaces, but God, it's worth fighting. Your future is worth fighting for. Our future is worth fighting for. Someone like, will you fight for your kids? Will you fight for your grandkids who aren't even born yet? Will you fight for the grandkids of kids who are not even born yet? So prophetically, I feel God's, as I was praying going into this year, saying that a warrior spirit is going to rise up in some people. As some people are going to get their fight back. But we don't fight to destroy, we fight to build.